reading this morning is from the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. This is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for a people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Russ. Well, uh, today, before I get into the message, today is day four of an 11-day stretch where many of us are choosing to pray for five people that we know who don't yet know Jesus. And this is part of a worldwide movement that covers 80 denominations, 172 countries. It's called Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, I've added an uh, extra little daily prayer walk uh, in my routine around the park in my neighborhood. And so I pray for these five people that, that they would become more receptive to the Lord and discover uh, Christ for themselves. And I pray that I uh, would be, the Holy Spirit would work in me and through me to help create curiosity and interest in them about Jesus. Uh, I'd like to show you a, a three-minute video from 2018 that was used to introduce Thy Kingdom Come that year. I showed you the one for this year, last Sunday. Uh, the first person that you're going to see in this video is the Anglican Archbishop uh, uh, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. He's one of the founders of the movement. So let's watch. When we pray thy kingdom come, it's not thy kingdom come with lots of internal borders. It's thy kingdom come. And it belongs to God, and it's his kingdom, and we're all citizens. Prayer is like learning the language of God's heart. What we're praying for is that Jesus' kingdom will come. It's a powerhouse of mission because it's a powerhouse of hope. When the church starts to come together like this, you sense that God is about to do something really awesome. God invites us to participate in the transformation of the world around us. There have been Christians gathering in over 85 countries to pray that more people would come to know Jesus. Without prayer, we're useless. There's no such thing as Christian ministry, which is not deeply rooted in prayer. We are watching, we are waiting, God wants us for this task, establishing God's kingdom, not tomorrow, but now. actually journeying into a stream of prayer by the Holy Spirit and Jesus is almost like throwing yourself into a river that's flowing very fast. 
I believe when I pray, God answers. And we see God's kingdom break out in real and tangible ways. Every time we say thy kingdom comes, we are setting something in motion. I have found purpose and peace and joy like nothing else has ever given me. It's like heaven opens up and you get close to God. I feel God say, I made you. You know, you ask God to move a mountain, God hands us a shovel. If we pray, we live out our prayers with our actions. Okay, so even if you miss Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no big deal. Uh, feel free to start today. Take five minutes and pray for five people you know that they would come to know Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> let's pray now, shall we? Lord, sometimes uh, we confess that we lose heart in prayer because we just don't know if we're doing it right. We don't know if we're any good at it. But today, Lord, we place our confidence not in how good we are, but in how good you are. Hear our cry and draw our friends and family to you. Jesus, give them a hunger that only you can satisfy. Bring people and events into their lives that will point to you. Lead them to discover for themselves the difference you make. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to the day when they are filled with rejoicing because of you. And all God's people said, amen. You know, one thing that fascinates me, and I've been thinking about this way, probably way too much over this last year, but it's our human ability to recognize faces. I mean, it is an uncanny thing, even when people are wearing masks. I mean, I've seen people I haven't seen in, in a year, I see them with a mask on, and I know who they are. Our brains are amazingly hardwired to remember faces. Have you thought about that? Specialized parts of our brain instantly make dozens of highly precise measurements of each person's face and then synthesize them. Synthesize them. It's, it's just an incredible thing. So I'm going to try an experiment. Here are four masked faces. You, re you recognize any of those? Raise your hand if you recognize one or more. Oh, almost all of you do. Okay. Now let's take off the masks. Bing. As you suspected, they're all staff. Leah, Polly, Jen, Holly. Yeah. Off, on, on, off. There we go. Back and forth. There we go. <laughs> anyway, we were made to recognize faces. Why? So that we can build relationships with each other. And, of course, if you're visually impaired, then maybe you focus on the sounds of people's voices to recognize them. Also an amazing thing. 
Today's the final Sunday in our Easter season series called Craving Community. We crave community because we were made for it. The second chapter of Genesis, God said it's not good for any of us to be alone. We're social creatures. We need each other. Today we're looking at craving community where we worship God together. You know, Jesus was a part of that. Jesus grew up in a worshiping community in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. As an adult, you'd normally find Jesus in a synagogue on the Sabbath worshiping with other people. Uh, The word church does not mean a building or even an organization. It means an assembly of people. That's what the word church means. It means a gathering like, like we have here. And that gathering can be any size. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. Today, we're going to look at being a worshiping community. Well, first, what is worship? Well, worship uh, is the shortened, uh, of the shortened version of the Old English word, worthship. It means the act of ascribing worth to something or someone. Uh, When we worship God, we are proclaiming God's worth, God's worthiness. Um, The first time we see the word worship in the New Testament is when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem. Having seen a special star in the night sky, they have come to worship the newborn king. And when they find the child in Bethlehem, the Magi bow. And they worship, uh, worship him in reverence. He is worthy of their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now let me clear something up. Because some of you may have thought about this. Worship is not something demanded of us by a narcissistic God. If that thought has ever crossed your mind, I hope you'll try to erase it. Worship is not something demanded of us by a narcissistic God. Worship is expressing our love to God who loved us first. Simply loving God back. That's why worship is not something we go to. It's not something we attend. Worship is being in a loving relationship with God. And that means that your worship is received and enjoyed by God. Have you ever thought of that? Your worship is received and enjoyed by God. And there's something powerful about gathering with other people to worship. And that leads us to the heart of today's message. Here it is. When we gather to worship, we are rehearsed in God's story and immersed in God's glory. You notice how I got the little rhyme in there? All right. I hope you'll write that down, maybe take a picture of it with your phone. Uh, Talk about it in your family and in your small group. When we gather to worship, we are what? Say the rest with me. We are rehearsed in God's story and immersed in God's glory. Today's scripture that Russ read for us comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, and he gives them a picture of the community of Jesus' people. A few verses before the passage that we heard, Paul reminds them that they are the people of God, set apart uh, for God, dearly loved by God, 
and shaped by the heart of God with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, I want you to try to imagine uh, someone's modest home in the, in the first century. That's kind of easy for me to do right now because I've been watching some of the episodes of the TV series called The Chosen. Have any of you heard about that? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can get the free app and watch it there, too. But anyway, uh, imagine that the, the floor, you can see dirt there, but also stones have been laid as part of the floor. And the whole place, the whole house is basically just one room. And people start arriving. And before long, 20 of them have shown up. And so the house is really crowded. And they chat, and they smile and laugh and visit. And then somebody brings olives and figs and some bread to snack on. And, of course, there's the woman there who always complains. And the man who thinks he has to tell everybody what to do. They can be annoying, but most of them are able to overlook it. As Paul says, bear with each other. Sometimes, you know, that's what love means. We just have to put up with each other once in a while, right? And then when the snacks are finally gone, they all find their places in the room. Uh, some are seated on chairs, and some are seat, seated on the floor, and, and some of them stand uh, next to the wall. And Paul's words in verse 15 sound an awful lot to me like a call to worship. And I can imagine them coming together and saying it in unison. Will you say it with me? Let's put it up on the screen. Here it is. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then, what if they spend the next few minutes just turning to each other and hugging each other and saying shalom and greeting each other with a high five or a, a kiss on the cheek? They did that back then. The Bible calls it a holy kiss. And they're the people of Jesus, the members. They're the members of one body. And I can imagine after their warm greetings, they go back to their places and they say it again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And then somebody shouts, and be thankful. <laughs> and a few people chuckle, and there are a whole chorus of amens. And then in verse 16, Paul gives us a glimpse into first, first century Christian worship. He says, let the message of Christ Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. And so I want you to imagine in that house, one of them is teaching a little bit about the message of Christ. It says, Jesus said, forgive your brother or sister not just seven times, but 77 times. And the person teaching says, I tried it. I forgave someone every day for 77 days. And you know what? I got pretty good at it. So don't hold a grudge. Don't be resentful. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus' love win the day. And then a teenager asks, but what if the person who hurt me isn't sorry? What if they don't deserve to be forgiven? white-haired woman with a sweet smile replies, I didn't deserve to be forgiven either, 
But Jesus forgave me anyway. When I remember that, it helps me show the same grace to someone else. Even the city manager who won't let me sell my vegetables in the market anymore because I belong to Jesus. So now, when I walk by the market, I just say to him, the Lord bless you. And he gives me the strangest look. So they do that. They teach and admonish one another. You see, they are rehearsing the story. And part of the teaching that, that you receive is, is here on Sunday mornings when I give the message, and another part of it happens in your small group. That's where we make it personal, and we share and we learn from each other. Can't tell you how many times I've, uh, people have told me, Steve, I really, I really appreciate your preaching, but where God has really changed my life has been in the small group. And the second part of verse 16 says how they rehearsed in God's story and immersed in God's glory with the songs that they sing. It says, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Notice that there are three kinds of songs here. And the first, it says, are psalms. Um, last Sunday at our 1045 service, uh, we sang... Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Straight out of Psalm 84. You would be amazed how many of the songs that we sing in both services are based on psalms in the Bible. Now, we're not exactly sure what Paul means by the second term here, which is translated hymns, but they are probably first century Christian songs. So they're contemporary for them. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, is very likely one of those really early, those first century hymns sung by that first generation of believers. And uh, would you like to sing it? I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> I, have, I have reworked it, uh, well, not, not yet, David. Uh, with some rhyme and meter, and I'd like us to sing it a cappella to the tune of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, just a couple times through. And as we sing, imagine that you are one of those 20 disciples crammed together in that little house, singing your heart full of gratitude. And so, David, would you give me a G? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, give, give, give me an E chord instead. There we go. Christ is God's most perfect portrait. May it made visible to us. He's the resurrected firstborn. All creation is now his. In him all things were created both in heaven and on earth all things seen and unseen it was in him that they had their birth god was pleased to have his fullness dwell within the christ our lord his cross and his blood have spoken now we hear their healing word. Heaven and earth 
earth are brought together, reunited in the sun. He's the head and we're his body. Praise the most exalted one. You are singing a song there that is nearly 20 centuries old. And we are singing that with those first believers. The company of heaven and earth are singing the same song. You remember the heart of the message? When we gather to worship, we are what? Rehearsed in God's story and immersed in God's glory. Well, after they sing their psalms and hymns, the first century disciples might move into what they called songs of the Spirit. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I can imagine that they're singing phrases and, and bits of melody that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, blending into a beautiful cacophony of worship. Now, we may not be brave enough to do that today. That's okay. But I do want to say a word about singing in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit dwells within you, then the Holy Spirit is inspiring you to worship genuinely. Jesus said that, that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. And I find that I worship more genuinely when I engage physically. At the very least, that means actually singing. You know, where you make sound out of your voice and words come out of your mouth, that thing. And, and, and so I, I say, so what if you're a monotone? Make your joyful noise. I promise you, God will receive it and enjoy it. You are pleasing God. And I also try to, at times, bring my body into that act of worship when I'm singing. I don't know about you, but my mind wanders a lot. I mean... You, you know, keep trying to bring it back. Uh, and I find myself not engaging in what I'm singing. I'm, uh, my, my mouth is singing, but my mind's going someplace else. So what do I do? Sometimes I might bring my hands together when I sing. Or I might cup them as if I am receiving life-giving water. You know, at 9 o'clock, I might do it like this. 10.45, I might be brave enough and do it like this. Or I might lift a hand to God. You know how sometimes when we do a blessing prayer for somebody, we raise a hand? I might even do that to God. So I would say, give it a try. Do something. Engage physically. Start small. Start small. Do a little something. And so when you're, when you're we're singing a chorus, try maybe folding your hands or cupping your hands. Sometimes I put my hand over my heart. And that means, uh, and that, I, I find that that's like when we say we all know we are Christians by our love. So try that. I think you will be surprised at the difference it makes if you do, even just do one small physical gesture when you sing, even for part of the song. And then we come to the close of worship where we pray together. And part of that prayer is committing ourselves to be Jesus' people for the week ahead. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so that, what does that prayer mean? We might be praying, Lord Jesus, whatever we do this week, whatever we say, it's all for you. We want to represent you wherever we go. All through the, the week, Lord Jesus, we're going to give thanks to God because you have brought us into his presence. I'm all yours, Lord. And in seven days, I want to be back here again so that we can be rehearsed in God's story and immersed in his glory. I think it's so important that we leave worship with that kind of prayer in our hearts and in our minds. Let's pray now, shall we? Good and holy God, thank you for welcoming us into your presence. You loved us so much, you sent your son, and we want to love you in return. Lord Jesus, we praise your name. By your sacrifice on the cross, you have healed our hearts and reconciled us to the Father. Tune our hearts to sing your praise. Lord Jesus, you are bringing your reign of love and justice into the world. Here am I. Send me. And now I want us to, as we continue our prayer, just uh, sing a little bit of a chorus. And Dave, will you give us a, a note to start with there? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And now let's continue in prayer with a full minute of silence as we bring to God whatever is on our hearts. And now as Jesus' community 
Let's pray the prayer he gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.